I bought some records, and a dog jumped on me at the record store. There is a, there's a thing now, I guess, in cities where people are like, I'm just going to bring my dog to work. And I'm like, that's cool, but you should make sure that your dog doesn't just, like, jump on every single person that comes into the store. I'm kind of anti. I'm kind of anti animal in the workplace. You know, I, you don't know. You don't know who's going to come in who may have an allergy or, you know, that shit like gets in there long term with the dander and shit. Oh, I fully agree. I am. I am not in in favor of this. Hey, check out my dog at, at my workplace. I I didn't come here to play with your dog. Maybe I and don't. You got jumped on. Yeah, and I got jumped on, and there was a paw print on my jacket. <laughs> this is a huge issue. Like a clue in a wishbone uh, episode. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Who assaulted you? Look at the paw print on the jacket. Oh, <laughs> that poor dog is dead. Oh man. I mean, I'd assume as such. I don't know when the last time a wishbone episode came out. Yeah, I feel like terriers have like uh, some health defect. If I had to, if I had to take a shot in the dark at, at uh, you know, if if this breed has like some kind of breathing problem that kills them, I, w- I would say yeah. Well, the show aired from well, to, uh, from ninety five to ninety eight. So unless this dog is like twenty some years old, I think it's it's time is gone. But fi- filmed in Allen, Texas, and then uh, with the additional scenes in Grapevine, Texas. Very very interesting. Oh. Hear that through the grapevine? I had an interesting experience the other day I can talk about. I uh, I was in a curling tournament. Wow. And my body feels like shit today. <laughs> it is a workout. No, it it looks aggressive. It looks it, it's fun though. I think it's it's an exciting sport even to watch. It gets it's getting it gets maligned, but it's straight to the action. There's no, no like it, it totally deserves more credit than myself and the the majority of the population of the world gives it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the sport to shit on if you're gonna shit on a sport you're shitting on curling like i can't even think of anything that comes close right that's it's it's good it's an uh extreme version of shuffleboard yeah or like uh an active version of bowling like the dude wouldn't play curling but uh it's kind of similar because it involves like uh i don't know men in clubs it's like they're brooms aren't they you just you're coursing the ice to slow it down, isn't that what the whole thing no, is? No, that actually it speeds it up because uh, creates um, you know f- uh, friction on the ice, which melts it down a little bit and like makes it glide more. Oh, I thought it was the opposite way. I thought like you were coursing the ice with the brooms, which that's because oh well, whatever. What a what no, a mis- I I I did too. I totally did too. And then she was explaining how it works to us, and I was like, oh yeah, duh. Of course, that's how it would be. <laughs> oh, Soccer the dog was uh, Wishbone. He lived from 1988 to 2001. Wow, didn't even live that long. That's 13 years. Play, lived in Plano, Texas. What a life. <laughs> hey, were a you le- on... Were, let me ask you, were you on Wishbone? I, I was on Wishbone. I remember... There are there are two things that scared the living shit out of me as a as a young child. One was Pink Floyd's On the Run. Could not listen to that song without it freaking me out. And the other was the Was Wishbone? No, the the other was well, the other was an episode of Wishbone, the uh the Hound of the Baskervilles, which oh. is a uh a fucking 
uh, Sherlock Holmes story. Ah. I think it. I think it's kind of a werewolf situation. I can't remember exactly. It might be like a hellhound. I, th- I thought you were talking about the the time machine episode with like the the creepy monster creepy monsters that it basically is just cheap gorilla suits. But you know, honestly, there may have been time travel in this one. I can't remember because I do remember Wishbone dressing like Sherlock Holmes. That clearly that's happen. not how he dressed on the other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is riff and rock Wishbone talk. <laughs> Chris, how are you doing? I'm uh, I'm I'm battered, but I'm well. Good. Uh, like a tender. As a preface to this episode, I gave Chris an assignment, or I, I gave him an idea for an episode. I said, "Hey, let's do three noise rock albums, because fuck it, why not?" And um, I I must confess, I totally screwed up this this uh, this episode. I thought I was nailing it, and it turns out only one of these is what you'd really put in that noise rock niche, though I think noise rock in general is sort of a broad niche uh, or a broad description. It's um, Yeah, it's it's sort of like splitting hairs. I mean, you know, if you go to Wikipedia, if you, if you talk to people, if you talk to those noise rockers on the street, they're going to they're gonna call these bands noise rock, but, um, you know, even though they, they, they don't necessarily sound like it here you know it's kind of like how you can call uh headhunters a fusion band and a funk band at the same time and you're right either way even though they're two totally different things right so noise rock basically birthed from punk and they're like well punk isn't punk anymore we're gonna out punk punk to make dirtier grittier angrier less coherent music and that that's really about that's the story. That's the story. Uh, people talk about Sonic Youth being a big forerunner in the uh, noise rock scene. Butthole Surfers, um, post punk had had a big role in it too. I would say absolutely. So I was like, hey, let's let's talk about some uh, noise rock albums. We never really talked about them on the show, and then and uh, we're not gonna. No, <laughs> we're not. <laughs> so I, I goofed this one up, folks. Uh, <laughs> Do we want to start with the one noise rock album, or do we want to save that for the end? No, let's start with it, because I, I, I'm going to take a guess as to which one it is, and I sure hope we're on the same page, because, God, who knows. Uh, Pearl Jam's Lightning Bolt. Pearl Jam's Lightning Bolt. Uh, Pearl Jam's serious noise rock. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> so Lightning Bolt was one of the bands I really wanted to cover. We've never done a Lightning Bolt album on the podcast, and uh, they're a band I hold in high esteem. They are a bass and drum duo from Providence, Rhode Island, known for very frenetic and aggressive playing. Um, their live shows are very uh, well known because they're actually um, coming coming back on tour. Are I they really? Seen... Yeah, they are. Have they they're doing a spring tour? Have they announced tickets or anything? Yeah, well, I saw I saw a ticket link come up for um, uh, this place called the Royale in Boston, and I thought about going, but. I just don't know if I could go to a show like that. Just oh, don't know if I could go to a noise rock show. Like I do enjoy noise music a lot. I just don't know if I could go to a show. You know, well, they do have shows. Whoa, hold, hold. I might just have to turn off this podcast. I've, I'm done. Oh, they're playing in Chicago. Chi Town. Chi Rack. Oh my God! Every time someone says Chi Town, I just I lose a couple days off my life. Shy Guy Falls. <laughs> 
<laughs> that I can roll with. So, a Mario Kart reference, okay. <laughs> that I'm fine with. Let's March 28th. That's like a Wednesday, but... Well, they That's what I'm saying. Like, do you want to see lightning bolts on a Wednesday? Yeah, do I want to drive an hour and a half to two hours into the city uh, to listen to lightning bolt on a Wednesday? That is a valid question. It's one of those That's bands a take that... two days work off type of night. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, <coughs> and it's one of those bands where I'm like, I want to see them, but I don't know if I want to like see them that, that... If it was a Saturday, no problem. Saturday, yeah, it's that's no big deal. Friday, fine. Wednesday, I got work. I got bills. Can't be just wandering off to watch Lightning Bolt. But yeah, so they're uh, a duo from Rhode Island. Uh, Brian Gibson and Brian Chippendale. Brian Chippendale, the drummer known for playing extremely fast, sort of erratic um, drum patterns. Uh, and then Brian Gibson, who actually worked on some of the Rock Band games. He worked for Harmonix. I don't know. I think what? he still does. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. really interesting. Um, so, and he, what often happens with a lot of Lightning Bolt songs is almost the the bass is the rhythm section and the drums are the, the melody because the bass is just sort of this wall of distortion while Brian Chippendale just smacks along on his drums, all sort of craziness, and then shouts with his distorted microphone. And so a lot of people know the album Ride the Sky. That album was talked about a lot. So I decided to go with a EP that hasn't, but uh, allegedly it's an EP instead of an LP, despite it being a full uh, 40 minutes long. I hate um, when bands do that. Right. Just deal with it. You made an album. You made an album. <laughs> deal and, with it. <laughs> and um, it is called Oblivion Hunter. And the reason I want to talk about this one is because it is one of my favorite releases from them. And I didn't, I didn't hear anything about it when it came out, and I don't really understand why. But uh, Chris, what did you think of Oblivion Hunter? Um, my 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 relationship with Lightning Bolt is weird. Like I like Lightning Bolt, I do. Um, but and I get why they are mixed the way that they are. But the mixing is just so atrocious. It's like yes, this um this last album that they did, I think it was a double album. I might be speaking out of my ass. Um. But I seem to recall it being uh, a little bit better mixed. Um, this one being earlier in their career, it's a it's a very noisy, hazy thing. Uh, it's hard to to make out individual stuff. And um, but I don't know. I still I still like it. They're still a great band. They're they're still great to listen to. But um, you know, it's like listening to uh, an audience, a bad audience recording of like a, a band or like a rehearsal tape or something like that. It's just so. <laughs> muddy and messy i i fully agree and i think that can definitely make it difficult to get into them because it's very overblown and distorted all the time but i that with this album specifically i think it's why it works so well this is i i'm trying to think of the best way to describe it but i would almost call it hardcore soundscapes especially your your two opening tracks king candy and barren wasteland they are just they're more or less pure drone. There's really not much to them. And so it's like if Brian Edo cranked the distortion on music for airports uh, and threw it through a grain thresher. So, and that's why that's this album starts off with this, these two big hitting wall of noise uh, kind of songs where the bass kind of ebbs and flows. You have some high, high wailing shrieks uh, and then some guttural 
sounds that basically just sound like a chain, two chainsaws mating. And with Brian Chippendale on drums, just, you know, doing the Brian Chippendale going kind of ballistic thing and hollering and screaming. It just, it's, they're not so much songs as they are just sort of these forces of nature that just sort of push themselves upon you. And I, I find it to be a very effective, uh, I find it very effective. Oh, I I would not disagree. Like that's what I was saying before. Like you know, it's hard to to dock them points for doing that because I get why they're doing it, and um, like I don't even know if I'd even you know want it any other way because it wouldn't be you know them trying to do what they're doing here. Um, but some of these tracks are pretty cool. Like Salamander um, has an interesting. Uh, it's more upbeat yes. and less dreary. Um, <laughs> There, a lot of the songs on this album sort of don't have that. Um, you know, you can go, you can go basically two ways with this kind of music, and that's either like this weird manic energy, which that track sort of has, or just uh, the sludge fest, right. um, which is what the rest of this uh, album is. More or less, um, yes. Yeah, um, especially the the www right at the very end. Um, World wide. Minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> What a fucking hellscape! <laughs> it was. I was. I haven't listened to this album in a while, uh, except for the bits and pieces of it. So I c- breezed through the first five, six tracks. I'm like, oh, this is a really. Sh-. I didn't remember this album being so short. And then I look. I'm like, oh, this one's 13 minutes, and it's just the bass going. It is. It is a test of patience. It it is uh it is wide and it is wobbly. And uh, it's it's like as big as the world. So uh, the title does deliver on this track. But you do have uh, uh, you do have like um the I, I appreciate the minute thirteen uh, breath of relief in the soft spoken specter. Uh, yes. For a, 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 a tiny little microcosm, lightning bolt relaxes and almost gives you a little bit of a folky interlude before berating you with Salamander, which has a wonderful little bass riff that loops over and over again and once again pummels you into oblivion. Yeah, it's it's cool, and it doesn't feel like um, forced or contrived or anything like that. It is a nice a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say that the album cover is atrocious, too. Oh, I love, <laughs> I love this album really? cover. I, it, I mean, it is atrocious, It. it it is kind of like a, a, a two-year-old did it, but um, considering the uh, the way I envisioned it is that I, I kind of I saw this album cover and it kind of reminds me of the again the first two tracks again. It's just this giant figure of light uh, wandering through the shitscape uh, that is about to like it's gonna like it's like proto Slenderman. It's gonna show up and it's just gonna it's gonna straight up fucking murder you. That's what. Oblivion Hunter is that's what this creation is like like if like let's say if you're playing like Legend of Zelda you're playing the new Zelda and you wander around the big world and you're like ah this is good time and you saw this off in the distance like you know you need to run because this is what's going to murder you that's what no you gotta you gotta go for it you are the Oblivion Hunter that is the Oblivion that you need to hunt oh interesting (laughs) and as you get closer you just hear that wall of bassy drone death death tone that's about to uh murder you because you, you're like you see it when you first get like you, you get that you finish the intro area you go out into the world and you're like oh what's that and you're way too under leveled and it just one shots you and like if you ever played Skyrim you go rocketing into the air in some stupid cartoony fashion that makes no sense that's what this is 
This is what this album cover is. <laughs> um, and that's why it's great. Do they have vocals on all of their albums? Because um, I don't remember that being a thing. They do, but they vocals is a term used loosely. Uh, and I don't know if you know, but what they what happens is Brian, the drummer, has, wears masks during the shows, and he puts like part of a phone receiver in the mask, and that's the microphone, and he just kind of screams and shouts into it. So a lot of times, it's less about the actual lyrics, but just sort of a layer of screaming overtone on top of everything, just to create an extra layer of uh, dissonance. Yes, and primordial grunting. Basically, well, and it almost the reason it works really well is um, because the bass is so low, because the drums are tuned so low, that this high-pitched the, the screaming is sort of the high frequency in the mix, so it, it kind of fills it out, even though it's nothing but just pure chaos. It is pure chaos. Just a lot of yipping. A lot of yipping. <laughs> I mean, I could, I could uh, on the song Fly Fucker Fly, there was, there was a, I could hear him say fly. I heard him say fly a few times, so you know, there, there's some words being said. I mean, I don't doubt it. Like, there's only so much yelling that a person could do, I guess, until they're like, hey, I might as well get some words in there, too. I don't know. Damo Suzuki's been touring for about 50 years. <laughs> he makes up He makes up his own words, though. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you watching your waist? I think that's what the, the, um, the, the, the main riff lyric is in the, in the Omar album. Why aren't you watching your waist? I think that's what he's saying. I thought it was something something in your eyes. I don't know. It's we'll never know. We'll never know. He doesn't even know. He he probably forgot it already. A bit, immediately. I think there was an interview where he said like, "Oh, I respect Omar, but I don't like his music." <laughs> uh, I get a I get a I get the feeling that he doesn't like any kind of music no. just because it's not Damo Suzuki. You know, it's like <laughs> oh. You actually plan out your songs? Get the fuck out of here. You fucking schlub. Yeah. I would recommend this album, though. Uh, I like it a lot um, in in reviewing it. This album and the next album we're going to talk about uh, have something in common where you can skip the last 13 minutes of it, and it's perfectly okay. <laughs> uh, what an endorsement. But... So, but the, the but with this album, then you have twenty five minutes of wonderful chaos. But again, it's not uh, a lot of noise rock. Is sort of has a very aggressive has aggressiveness to it, and a lot of Lightning Bolt albums have an aggressiveness to this that just very just punches you in the face. It's very uh, uh, agitating and uninviting. This one, it's very except for I think Salamander's probably the only exception. It's pretty slow forming. It's pretty just droney wall of drone without being too like stoner metal drudgery and I think that's what makes it work really well and I think that's what makes it a really fun and unique uh, Lightning Bolt album as opposed to their other albums which just it's like being hit in the face, face with a brick for 40 minutes this is just a slow brick it's like like a like a hydraulic press slowly crushing your skull into oblivion you're, you're like Terminator at the end of the first movie exactly that's what this album is is a hydraulic <laughs> press and Terminator <laughs> And Brian Chippendale is uh, Linda Hamilton. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he might be saying you're terminated, motherfucker, and we just don't know. 
That that would be epic. Would you would you recommend Oblivion Hunter? I would not. Um, it is not a uh, is not a welcoming uh, first listen to Lightning Bolt. Even though I don't I don't know if there is a, an easy way to get into Lightning Bolt. Yeah, what is a ended, welcoming uh, first listen to Lightning Bolt? I don't know. I feel like I have to revisit that uh, that last album of theirs because I do remember it being mixed a little bit better. Um, but uh, I mean, if if you're if you want to get punished, so get in there. Lightning Bolt, <laughs> Oblivion Hunter. I mean, if you're really curious, you could always check out their uh, second studio album, which I think is probably one of their strongest, Ride the Skies. It's got a very popular song of theirs called Ride the Sky, coincidentally. Um, it's a little, maybe a little bit of a better encapsulation of what the band's about. It's a little, it's a little bit more frenetic, a little less slow, but um, I don't know. They're, I think they're a fun band, and I think they were a fun... Fun is probably not the right word, but they were a good counterpoint to a band like Hella, where Hella was v- very uh, erratic itself, but Hella had that sort of like a precision to it, where Lightning Bolt was just um, just a, a, a regurgitation of dissonance. Yeah, Hella, I would say, has that weird manic energy. This is uh, when this is when you've taken too many benzos and you can't find your way home. Yeah. Or when you're Zach Hill and you live in a warehouse in Sacramento. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. But, so speaking, let's let's flip the script, though. From a... Whoa, what happened to my script? Well, (laughs) it's like Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know, I only give you the first two pages, and then you you just have to fill in the rest. Damn it, funk man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, so switching from this uh, abusive drudgery to high flying uh drill drill inspired um calamity we get to sell escape by melt banana uh an album that has a hyphen much like the title of the band which is interesting because hyphens, double hyphens double hyphen is a big deal uh this one was released in 2003 it was sort of in the middle of their i guess in the middle of their career um and is often regarded as one of their strongest releases uh, I think and I would fully agree this is probably my favorite Melt Banana release by A Country Mile it is very abrasive very aggressive uh, and many times it tries to kill you it is difficult to get your just even tame this thing because it will jump lanes like a meth addict on the highway I would say that's apt so this banana's pretty melted. <laughs> um, the, the, I had an interesting thought when I was listening to this album, which was, um, I think this is what people think of when they read what At The Drive-In sounds like. It's just the vocal delivery and the, and the punk shit going on and stuff. And I don't know, like, similar to... To Lightning Bolt, um, I had trouble getting into this album because of the vocals. Um, oh, these vocals are very challenging to accept. Yeah, Yasuko Onuki has very high pitched uh, Yelp like singing. It's like if the Mickey Mouse Club was like all child soldiers, <laughs> she would be the drill instructor. It's coming once Disney buys the whole planet. It's it's yeah. coming. Once Disney buys Melt Banana. 
You know, they, they've got Marvel, they got Star Wars. I feel like Melt Banana is really next on Disney's radar. Yeah, the Bananaverse. And they're going to play this album to the to the people who uh, do not follow in the marching orders of Disney. Yeah, this is going to be in Solo. Yeah. This is why it's... A, this, the, Melt Banana is the reason why the movie got delayed. It's not because of uh, Lord and Miller totally blowing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I The... The music was kind of cool. It's um, it's very much uh, what I would call a karate fest. I just imagine these musicians looking like fucking uh, they're at a karate tournament when they're playing this shit. Um, they're just chopping it super hard. Yeah, just like I don't know, like I don't know. It's hard to describe, um, but it works for me. Uh. Yeah, this it's it's a fucking wild ride. It's uh, the Lightning Bolt album is definitely more of a slow burn, but this is a you know once you get in the car, it's not stopping type of uh, listening situation. Yeah, let me ask this: Is this your first Melt Banana album? Kind of. I've I've toyed with them in the future in the in the past. <laughs> I thought you were about uh, to say the future. I almost did. <laughs> <laughs> I toyed with them in the past, and uh, I couldn't find anything that I liked, and so um, they sort of fell off the radar. Um, and uh, after listening to this album all the way through, I was like, it was probably the vocals. It was probably the vocals that turned me off because the music is cool. It's um, it, like a you know making the at the driving reference before. It sort of has like a, a post hardcore thing going on where it's like. It's punky, but it's it has more shit going on at the same time. Would you call these riffs uh, angular? I would call these riffs very angular. This is a it's like a like a like a nineteen twenties avant garde painting, <laughs> uh, very angular. Uh, it's like an early Picasso. Um, yeah, the uh, song names they they got the song names down though. They nailed those. <laughs> A hunter in the rain to cut the neck up in the present shape. Shield for your eyes, a beast in the well on your hand. We all know that proverb. Oh, chain <laughs> shot to have some fun, or or you know, just outro for Cellscape. That's that's a that's a catchy one too. You know what? This this is a real thing though. Uh, this album makes me feel like a, a white bat in a box. Dead matters go on. <laughs> <laughs> I also just had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> do you smell a lot of burnt toast is that what's going on right now yeah it's cinnamon <laughs> toast though so it smells good uh, um, <laughs> this is this was I think the first Mel Banana album I listened to in its entirety uh, I've listened to a couple other ones they prior to this album they did a lot of very almost locust-esque kind of stuff where the songs were 30 seconds and I, I'm not as into that kind of style of music. It's, it's there's nothing really to grab onto. It's, it feels just a little too erratic. Um, this the songs are four three minutes, even though they are very erratic and they jump around in all sorts of weird ways. Part of it is uh, obviously uh, I forgot her name. Uh, sorry, Yasuko Onuki's vocals are very yippy and high pitched. I mean, they make Cedric look like Barry White. Uh, or Claudio Sanchez, or Getty Lee, or insert high-pitched sing- male singer. They they sound like a baritone compared to her. 
Um, so they they're very intense and they're not really melodic. It's just her just kind of shouting along wherever she thinks there's an opening. Um, it's like it's like bad brain style vocal delivery. Yeah, kind of. I think that's a fair assessment. And then you also have uh, the guitar work of Agata, who is one of my favorite guitarists. He is. Uh, I've seen these these uh, Melt Banana live once, and he is one of my favorite guitarists to watch. He is just all. Where over. did you see him? Did you just see him play a show, or did you see him at like a festival? No, I saw him play a show in a tiny little venue in Milwaukee when they toured their last album, Fetch. And back the, at that point, they no longer have a bassist or a drummer. Uh, uh, Yasuko just has like a machine that she hits buttons that activates the bass and drum parts. Huh. It looks like a really elaborate version of like Bop It. <laughs> and she just swings it around and different and wild noises happen and and so the Nagata just goes ballistic on the guitar and so you have uh like the song Lost Parts Stinging Me So Cold, um where there's this sort of it's a it's an angular quote unquote riff, but um the the effects he sets on it makes it sound like it's like a computer crashing, so so it's a, it it kind of it has this part was like da 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 da, but the way he does it goes like and so it sounds really good impression, uh, but it sounds like the whole thing's about to blow up, or it sounds like the, the album is broken, and there's a lot of moments on here where that's sort of what he's doing is there's this sort of driving bass and drum part that's sort of keeping the song on on the rails, and he's just creating all sorts of chaos. She's singing in all sorts of chaos, and it, it's barely holding on but i always feel it does and i think that's why i really really like this album is there's a lot of frenetic energy it is very chaotic um but it always feels like it's just hanging on enough for dear life yeah no there's there's definitely form and structure here um which i would i would say um is less of a thing in the in the lightning bolt album but here you know they're definite songs it's sort of um Sounds like a, like a Japanese interpretation of like skater punk from like the late '90s, like some weird Japanese version of that. Um, and yeah, sometimes you know, I will say that as as much as I hated on the vocals, there were times, um, you know, when she wasn't like yipping and she was actually singing a note where I was like, that's kind of nice. Like I was just breezing through. Um, lost parts and uh, the the chorus in that song is pretty good. Yes. That's a pretty cool uh, vocal melody. And there are some parts where things kind of mellow out. So like on a dreamer who is too weak to face up to, there's a, there's a the refrain's even just a, a driving uh, bass and drum part where I mean there's some dissonance in the background, but it, it it's very grounded. Or on if it's the deep sea, I can see you there. It almost it's kind of uplifting and almost pop punky. Uh, so there's these fun little moments where there's just like a tiny little injection, not much, but a tiny little injection of pop music in there as well. Just these little little segments within the song that give you a, a chance to breathe before it decides to take out the rest of your brain with its drill-like tones. Yes. But I'm coming to melt all your bananas. <laughs> Uh, but again, I'm biased. I I think it's an it's an album you should listen to. Uh, I I love it a lot. It's uh, if you if you like punk music at all, I think this is sort of like a strange evolution in that in that you'll have moments like oh this reminds me of uh, like a punk album I like, except everything has gone terribly terribly, terribly wrong. It's like if um, uh, I don't know. It's like if the Misfits were reinterpreted by Salvador Dali. 
if they had a, a melting clock instead of that weird looking thing that's on a lot of neckbeards uh sweaters oh that that skull thing yeah the skull guy the skull Mr. guy skull guy Danzig is known for his iconic uh, imagery like that. He's got a oh skull. Oh my god, I forgot, I forgot Danzig is part of this. <laughs> He's not part of Melt Banana, but yeah. No, yeah, no. Yeah, definitely make that delineation. My, my only caveat is the last 10 minutes is just 10 minutes of droniness, which I guess is helpful as just so you could breathe some fresh air because you just got violently assaulted by the music. Um, I wish there was a little bit more to it because uh, with that outro excluded it's not even 30 minutes worth of uh, i'm again putting quotes up on a podcast music uh not sure how this quantifies is that but um it's i think it's a treat it's it is totally off the rails insane it is goofy but i think there are enough moments to keep you hooked to help you follow it along and i think the the cartoony erraticism of it will keep you amused if you're not, at least you'll be entertained by it. You will be, you'll go, that was something I've never heard before. Yeah, I, I didn't like it, but I would recommend it. I want, um, I want to get picked up by an Uber and ask the driver if I can put music on, and this is what I want to put on. <laughs> have to, have to hope you don't get like someone who, who's already has this on. <laughs> If you if you get picked up by the Uber driver who already has Mel Banana, on, <laughs> get the fuck out of town, man. <laughs> hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I made this uh, custom mix of Nine Inch Nails tracks uh, played in reverse for my Uber driving. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been acquitted of serial killing. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you let them know when they get in the car? Yes. Hey, you I've guys, only... I've only been acquitted. I've only been charged with murder, never convicted. The glove did not fit. <laughs> so we... um, but I, yeah, I, I, I did not like this album. I would, I would recommend it though, because um, it is a, it is a fun ride. This is cartoon music, um, and and definitely something that the vast majority of people will probably never come in contact with right um, just in their normal listening habits it's a good example of joyous nonsense that japanese experimental music provides where they always seem to push it one step over the edge that it do- that other countries haven't so oh yeah i, I mean I, these are the guys who invented danger music do you know what that is no i don't but it sounds amazing it's um it's kind of more performance art than music. It was done by this guy. Um, I, I always forget how to pronounce his first name, but it's like Yakamoto I. Oh yep, yeah, Yamatsuka I. Yes. Um, and so he did this thing in 1988. Um, he did a few shows. Um, where he drove the forklift into the yes. concert venue. Yes. <laughs> That's <a> danger music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's baffling. It's he, fucking baffling. He's amazing in all sorts of wrong ways. He, I mean, he's the ringleader of boredoms, and so anytime you see footage of him, if it's old boredoms, it's him just jumping on his head. Like, he just dives headfirst into the concrete floor. Oh, yeah. Or if it's new boredoms, it's just him smacking uh, random guitars with sticks while ten drummers play around him. 
Yeah, he he's a great he's been a great asset to me because I'm a I'm a John Zorn fan and they collaborate together a lot. John Zorn has a huge discography; it's like mind boggling. Um, and so it's it was easy for me to filter shit out because when I saw that he was on the fucking album, I was like, Nah, this is not going to be for me. <laughs> I already know. Ah, <laughs> uh, his stuff is great. Uh, he's more... always credited his laptop too, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hoot but, or like inter- like psychedelic music America brought us the Grateful Dead and 13th Floor Elevators and Japan brought us Ass and Mother's Temple which is like two guys soloing and some transistor radios off the rails nonsense they're they're great but they're they are also ridiculous yes. like Mel Panetta <laughs> it is they're always they're always a little extra and that's what makes them extra special the the pun the like the wordplay that they do I can't handle though like uh, how they have to take like old school song titles or album names and like put their own spin on it with every single thing that they do. But you know, like d- d- does the Cosmic Shepherd dream of electric tapir tapirs? Yeah, that's great stuff. Yes, uh, or just the one that I like is uh, it's based off of Zappa's album, Just Another Band from L.A., and they call it uh, Just Another Band from Cosmic Inferno. Like oh yeah, we're just another band from the Cosmic Inferno, man. It's not even like clever wordplay. It's just yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, what what could we switch out of this? Oh okay, let's do it. Done. Cut the tape. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty interesting episode too. I didn't realize at first because we have quite an international affair as we get to our third and final album. It- Spirit of the Olympic Games. Yes, truly, that's what we were thinking when we we were thinking the Olympics. And the Olympics signifies experimental rock and roll nonsense and yes. internationalism. Yes. And apparently giant orgies when everyone's completed their events, but that's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Raw dog in Olympic style. <laughs> That'd be the... Uh, would, the, you, the, the... would you compete at the Olympics? Oh, I did the... the... The raw dog. It's going to be the title of my new mixtape, Raw Dog in Olympic Style. Oh, my God. Uh, but so we get to uh, a band I think is pronounced Noi or Pnoi? Pnoi? I just got a Pinu. Pinu? You know, you criticized Lightning Bolt's album cover, but this thing is truly upsetting. Yes, I'm glad that we're diving into this first. This album cover is atrocious. It's a dumpster fire. It's so unsettling to look at. Like, I get it, but like, why? Did you really need to do that, Pinu? Pinu? Like, I, are you are you happy that people paid money for something that looks like this? <laughs> this fucking kid of of undetermined national origin with a mullet and a weird sweater, giving us the my my parents gave me too much Benadryl look. You know what he looks like now that I think about it? Have you ever seen... There's like this episode of Tim and Eric where... Um, and the answer Tim's is no. face gets superimposed. Oh, I'll have to show it to you later. It's like a dead ringer. Gets superimposed on a baby. And like, it just looks exactly like this guy. It's um, like a Snapchat filter gone horribly wrong. Yeah, it is. But... Um, is a French band. Um, kind of in noise rock but also you could describe it as math rock um they i had never heard of them until i was looking for some 
sort of experimental bands to check out, and they came up as a as a recommended one. And so I was like, all right, sure, let's uh, let's give this a try. And I this is really as far as I know, but I've listened to two of their albums, and I know they're from France. And I think it's a guitarist and a drummer. That's it. And so this album came out in 2011, and I really, really liked this one. I was skeptical because there's 10,000 math post-rock experimental bands, and most of them are trash. Oh, especially from that era. Oh, yes. These guys are a little bit past the, the curve in, 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 the, in the sense of, like, I think it was, like, 05 to 08 was, like, the big era of a lot of that kind of music. Um, so they're a little bit late to the party, but a lot of it is just garbage overplaying gibberish, finger tapping droll. And this a lot of it is really clean too. Yes. So this I, is not clean. No, this is very dirty, very has a lot of fuzzy distorted tones on it, but I think it makes it great. It's it's truly a f- fun, I hate saying it, I say it a lot, but it's a fun album. It's got some dissonance to it, but most of it's pretty upbeat. It reminded me of... Did you ever listen to the the self-titled Fang Island album? I think so. That is one of my favorite albums, and this reminded me a lot of it. Just sort of upbeat chaos. Yeah, it was definitely my favorite to listen to uh, <laughs> out of these three. Even though I would take... I would take fucking anything over that album cover, man. I would take a million Umbrella Mistresses for that album cover. Um, but yeah, this, this album, um, is, a it, like, like you were saying, it's, it's sort of a perfect, um, poster child for how far good production can go. Cause like, if this was clean, um, like if it had that sheen that the Mel Banana album had, um, I don't think it would have nearly been as impressive, but this, um, this album has the clarity um, that it needs, but it also has uh, enough effects to to give it some life, give it a little extra pizzazz. Um, and so, yeah, I really enjoyed listening to this one. Absolutely, it's there's enough gibber gibberishy kind of moments to save it from just pretentious guitar wankfestness. Um, you start off with this album, or sorry, the song. Uh, oh, geez, Louise, I just lost the name of it. Auto Safe Unicorn. Also. I have to mention, a lot of these song names are also pretty great, too. They're not as bonkers as the Mel Banana songs, but you got songs like Auto Safe Unicorn, Grill Your Eyes, but Batan- Highway to Health, ACDC ba- reference. Everybody go. likes that. There's Dad just- will like that. <laughs> Dad, will be- Dad will be down with this album. Hey, Dad, these guys reference ACDC. Take a listen. <laughs> oh, thank you, son. <laughs> what in the world is this? My God, it's toilet sounds. Um... <laughs> You got there's a song called Knife Fight. That's I mean, Knife Fight. But bada but bada batata nana batata nana. Sounds like you're trying to do like uh like a jazz drum solo. So total real quick deviation, since you mentioned jazz, there's a jazz club near me and I finally went for the first time. And it's pretty cool. But there's a band that plays there every, more or less every Saturday, and it effectively is just some 70-year-old man who's a monster on the drums overplaying everyone else, and he is, like, exceedingly more talented than everybody, and I think he just invites them to play for him so then he could just do drum solos in the middle of every song. That's a real shame. 
I mean, it's good. It's entertaining. He's just, uh, you know, the saxophonist got his little solo. The trombonist got his little solo. Then, then the bassist, seemingly for every song, did a scat solo. And then he would go bananas. And then he got upset that people weren't cheering enough. So then he played a longer <laughs> drum solo. Hey, you gotta you gotta impress the people somehow. Gotta get their attention. Right. I will say that like I've I always describe Boston as like a, it's a good average city, but we have a pretty cool jazz scene here. Like um, there's this one club that I like going to, and they have a it's kind of an unofficial house band too. But they um, they're really cool. They they're sort of more like a, like a 1972 era Miles Davis thing. Oh wow. Um, yeah. And uh, Club Day Elf at the at the Lizard Lounge. Ooh, some cool shit. So we yeah. would not see Pnya at the Lizard Lounge. No, Pnya. Pnya. <laughs> but we open up with this um, song, "Auto Safe Unicorn." It's very big. It's very bombastic. It, it, it welcomes you to the party. And right away, we get to um, uh, Highway to Health, the file, the follow up song, the title of the album as well. And it just kind of, it kind of keeps that party rolling. It's there are moments where the songs do shift. They there's these it can it can shift from uh, sort of this high flying, uh, wailing guitar solos to sort of uh, very metal ish uh, chugga chugga kind of tones. So there, yeah. there's this interplay, but everything is kind of it's it's short lived enough. So even if there's a moment you don't like, it's gonna be over soon. Don't worry about it. And the you mentioned that there's a lot of guitar effects. There definitely are. So it's 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 only 27 minutes long, but everything feels fresh. It feels lively. It feels exciting. Um, it's 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 just it's fun time. And I think they were just five years too late to the party. They could have been an opening band for like there's no six 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 in outer space. Hella. I don't think. Uh... Hella played any headlining gigs in that era. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, they headlined. If they did, <laughs> they headlined to like a bar where six people were there. Yeah. Um. Yeah the 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 chugga chugga it works here. Um. It gives it. Um. You know, it's one of the other things that helps give it less of a clinical feel. Um. You know, like it, it's moving on its feet, but it's not all about the the speed. Um, it's more about the the execution. Yes, um, something that I like about it. The drummer is. I, I made a note. He is extremely tight, very on it. So while it may not be the fastest uh, pretentious jack off music, it's it's very well executed. It's very clean, and so it's very engaging. As opposed to just look how how fast we can play all our scales. It's look how interestingly we can play all our scales. Yeah, it's it's a real shame that these guys um, got started late and uh, were you know, French put, and not and, living in Sacramento yeah, and and put an album out with this cover. <laughs> this fucking album cover is really getting to you, isn't it? No, like I got it. I'm looking at it right now, and it's just. Uh, this is boring a hole in my soul. It's crazy. This album is taken. This album cover is taking me over. <laughs> I feel like there's a Vice documentary somewhere about um, the the origins of this boy and what what he is doing now. They should do that. Just like random bands on Bandcamp who take these ridiculous photos. Like if they did like a behind the music series on like the Death Grips Instagram. Like oh here's a cup tipped over in the middle of the road. 
Tell us about it, Zach Hill. <laughs> Here's Zach Hill. Why did you post the same photo of a bottle of wine filled with cigarettes 70 times? I didn't think it would post, man. I didn't think it went through. <laughs> It'd be funny if that's what it was. It, <laughs> it was just, technologically adept. It was, it was just completely an accident, and everyone's like, this is so fucking high art. <laughs> oh, man, if only. Well, the, the most recent one was a... Uh, Keith Richards' book chopped into four. Which is a. Uh, did you read that book? No. It's a lot more boring than you would think. Maybe that's why they chopped it up. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Nailed that one, folks. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at their. I'm looking at their Instagram now. It's that. Then there's a photo of a bunch of pills connected together. Some leaves. Then there's a picture of Stephen Burnett, a man in a shower, someone with an anime shirt, a giant novelty baby bottle, and that's it. This is the garbage that they post on here. Yeah. They're doing it. Fortunately, even in this 27 minutes, they put a song in there like Tropicon that is it's mellow enough. It gives you that moment to breathe in. Each of these albums has those moments, and I think they're really valuable in this kind of uh, music. That Having that just giving you a little bit of time to catch your breath because when the album is this assaultive through the entire way, it's it's exhausting. And by the time you get to the end of it, like it, it kind of all just melts together and it's just sort of a sludge of of just drudgy noise. Um, I, I even think about like the uh, was the, the uh, um, uh, Sunbather by Death Heaven. It's I think it's a really good album, but they have to have those breaks in between the songs because each song on its own is just. 11 minutes of complete ear ear punching yeah i don't know if i'd like more of this album or if um if it's as short as it is to uh you know make it more welcome longer um because yeah it does have but it it has it 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 is heavy it does have um aggressive stuff but i don't know it's it's more um I want to say propulsive um, is the word. It has a, it's it's like, it's upbeat but it's heavy at the same time. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of these other albums, like uh, you know, um, Lightning Bolt was just like all heavy, and uh, Melt Banana was like all energy. But this one has like a, a good balance of the two. It does, and you you end on this really good high note. Wagi's cup, Wagi's cup. Wagyu beef cup, Waluigi's cup, Um, (laughs) and it's it's got this very this race to the finish, this high energy charge to the very end, and it 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 leaves you on a high note, it leaves you feeling happy. Where the other two albums kind of leave you feeling like, oh god, what did I just do? I did something wrong. And this is like, no, I feel great. I'm gonna go pet some dogs. Yeah, just let the dogs at the fucking record store. Yeah. Get them out of there. Um, I, I, as you can probably tell, I'd recommend this one. It's 27 minutes, uh, so again, it's it's a short romp. Uh, I think I think you'll find something in there that you enjoy, and I think it's a it's a good strength of all three of these albums. Is all each of them are all three of them are sub 40 minutes, and so none of them are going to eat up a lot of your time. None of them are like a true slog. They they kind they come, they beat you up, and then they leave again. It's not like metal machine music, which is... Uh, I can't believe we haven't brought that up yet. That's the the true original noise album, done as a joke. Lou Reed is a, it was a true genius. 
and it's two albums. <laughs> it's a two disc album. God bless you, Lou Reed. Wherever, <laughs> wherever in the in the netherverse you are, you metal machine music is something you can't unmake. No. Um, I would also recommend this album. Um, it's got cool parts and uh, it's got digestible parts. <laughs> Uh, it's like a, a nice red curry. Just don't, just don't look at the cover. That's all you got to do. Yeah, just Indiana don't... Jones style. Don't, don't look at the light. Uh, Chris, anything you want to plug? Uh, I got nothing. Um, oh, I actually have something I want to plug. Uh, Phantom Thread. Go see it. I saw it the other day, and uh, the soundtrack on it, done by uh, Radiohead's Johnny Greenwood, is incredible. Oh, and. Hey. Uh, some of the best cinematography that I've seen in a long time. It's I, very well shot. I think they've and, been uh, describing they've been hyping that one on NPR a lot. It's it's really good and uh it it needs that riff and rock bump because uh let me pull up the stats here. We got thirty five million dollar budget and they're only at eighteen. Ooh. Get you out there, people. Because it is it's a very good movie. And Johnny would, Greenwood would, does amazing soundtracks. Yeah, I would I would definitely pick up the the soundtrack for this. It's really cool. It, it does a, uh, it's set in the fifties, and so it sort of has a mix of um, jazz and classical music. So it's like classical music that sort of has jazz flourishes in like a chamber music context. So it's only like an eight piece uh, group or something like that. But he fucking killed it. I really hope he wins uh, the Oscar that he got nominated for uh, for best original score because yeah. um, it's really good. Well, I got nothing. Though I am looking at a packaging for Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music and it calls it one of the most controversial and influential albums of all time. Um, Lou Reed, I think you're being a little little full of yourself if you're if you're believing that this is uh, influential. Uh, I, I would disagree. Uh, most influential? Mm, it, it, that that's when you have to start putting qualifiers <laughs> but that is that is also another shitty album cover <laughs> sort of looks like uh unsurprisingly pitchfork gave it an 8.7 out of 10 oh of course even though it's like it's it's like despair but on two albums it's it's exhilarating according to them <laughs> the, the, he just wanted to be contrarian he just wanted to be like this is this is great no, he he legit did it to get it out of to get out of a contract. Right. Like <laughs> it was a fuck you. Which is funny, so I not to bash on Mark Richardson, executive not editor. But, but I'm going to. He says Lou Reed's nineteen seventy five album has been called one of the worst albums ever made. The truth is it is the product of genuine love and passion. And then you cite the fact that he's trying to he wrote it to get out of a contract. Yeah. <laughs> This really, there's really no logic there. Well, join us next time when we talk about something. I don't know. Uh, dogs or Lou Reed. We'll give, you, we'll give a, a dog assault update. Dogs. We'll see if the culprit has been captured. <laughs> Can will, will Alex take a bite, bite out of crime? Tune in next time. Woof.